Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I'd like to begin this podcast by recognizing the traditional owners of the land in which it is recorded. I pay respect to their elders past, present, and those emerging. Yes, this is so cozy. This is yeah. like, I did a podcast of my friends who's a like, um, she owns this Pilates company. She's like, just everything you think that means on the yeah, internet. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. But just at her house, she's like, be so comfortable. And I was like, leaning on the kitchen table. <laughs> this is very comfortable. <laughs> Hey everyone, welcome to Nature or Nurture, the podcast where I talk to fascinating people about the key milestones that made them who they are today. And I'm joined by someone that I am a big fan of, but I've only met probably, probably a few times, but over a very short period at a Fringe Festival mm. many, many years ago in, in Perth. Shout out to Perth. Shout out. <laughs> Shout out. Yeah. Bit of spawn con at the start. Yeah. yeah. For, a, I believe, a kebab shop <laughs> in Perth is the longest time we've spent together. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah great. It's a wonderful experience. Oh, beautiful. One of the best. The wonderful Gillian Cosgrove. Welcome. Hi. <laughs> it's so great to have you here. Thank you for coming on the podcast. It's a treat. Yeah. Well, the the thing that I like about meeting, especially, you know, we haven't spent that much time together, but then finding out, you know, how different people grew up and, and why they decided to do what they do. So I, I start this podcast by asking a question. I always say it's a really simple question, but it's absolutely not. And I've just decided to stick to the idea that I think it's simple. <laughs> what do you think has had the greatest impact on you? Do you think nature or nurture? Nurture. Next question. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Move on. Yeah, done. That's the end of the podcast. I, I think nurture. Mm. Yeah. If I really think about it. Yeah. Maybe also because I'm I'm uh, one of f- five kids, and so right. I'm like, like logistically, my brain wants to be like, well, if it's nature, maybe we should all. Be- oh, but that's also sure, nurture. We have the same parents. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. Where'd you go? I uh, I lived in Melbourne till I was nine. Okay. Um, in the Burbs, and yep. then uh, Brisbane. Yeah. Um, until I was family about- moved to Brisbane. Yeah, yeah, we moved to Brisbane. Oh, not not you as a nine. <laughs> no, I moving. just struck yeah. out on my own. <laughs> Get that emancipation. Yeah. Um. <laughs> yes, we moved to Brisbane when I was nine, yep. and then um, yeah, I lived there till I was about twenty, and then Perth for uni, and then back yeah. to Melbourne ever since. Did everyone move? All five kids moved up to Brisbane. Uh, not my older brother. My older brother's ten years older than me. Yeah. Um, and I'm the second oldest, so. He was out of home by then. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What yeah, was yeah. the change like moving from Melbourne to Brisbane? Ah, uh, it was good. It was, I am a deeply nostalgic person and that has been in my bones since probably birth. Yep, sure. Like I can clearly remember, this is, I'm going to say this in public, <laughs> fine. Like at knowing that we were moving, just being so emotional. Like, mm. like on the last day when the house was empty, like going and sitting inside my wardrobe and just crying. Wow. Um, I was like a big fan of the um, the heartbeat soundtrack um, <laughs> at this time, yep. and I remember like I would put on because there is always something there to remind me and just be sad about leaving wow. my friends. It's like you were you were doing a film of your life as it was happening. It was very yeah. much like that. Yeah, yeah, I just was like 
Yeah, d- just deeply like had a lot of feelings about it. Yeah, do you um, love Mel? When are you? Where do you place in the in the family? I'm the second oldest. Second oldest. Yes. Yep. Okay. Um, but there's a big age gap between my older brother and me, so it's, I have like oldest child vibes. Just <laughs> um, a fancy way of saying that I'm bossy. <laughs> um, yeah. So. Yeah, I don't know. It was it was a weird move, but yeah. then I think it's kind of good for you. Yeah. Sometimes I feel weird about people that have like lived in their same family home all their lives and yeah. have never moved. Just because yeah. I'm a bit like a bit emosh and a bit hoardery also, so moving all the yeah. time is very good to like just force you to kind of cut ties. Sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's a good yeah. lesson. <laughs> it's a great lesson. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for, for you moving, what was that actual move like? Look, your parents got a, a job like in another, in, in Brisbane. Yeah, my what dad got a job in Brisbane. Yeah. And so he was up there, he was up there for like, I don't know. I mean, time is very different when you're a kid, but certainly mm. for months um, living in this really sad one bedroom apartment in Kangaroo Point. Yeah. The fridge was in the in the bedroom. Like it was just all one room and yeah. the room was sad. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what was he doing? He works in like transport and logistics. Yep, sure. So he went up to be the um, – well, he'll probably correct me on this, but I think the manager of like the Queensland branch at that time. Sure. Um, and so my mum had the – certainly the four of us, younger kids at home, yeah. which was nine, seven, six and three. Nailed it. Stunning. <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah, so I think I think it was um it was probably a lot that move. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But a but a good move? Like how did you find Brisbane when you first went? Because you know, I imagine, you know, the nostalgia of going, Oh, I really love my home and being mm. in Melbourne. It is hard when you're a kid to move to a new to a new place, new surroundings. How yeah. was it moving to Brisbane for the first time? It was it's very different. Like yeah. it's just a really different place. Like I remember, you know, like everyone has a pool in Brisbane. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. in Brisbane we lived in this weird this weird sprawling suburb called Forestdale, okay. which is in Logan. Shout out to Savage Garden. Um, Another plug. Yeah, because they need it. They, they need, just it. need the they support. Need it. Um, and so it's kind of like a, a fancy-ish suburb next to some very much less fancy suburbs. Yeah, right. Um, all the streets are named after things from Robin Hood. So we lived on sure. Lionheart Street. Oh, of course, for, Forest Hill. Yeah, it makes sense. It makes yeah. sense. Yeah, 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 yeah. So everything is like Nottingham Court. Like it's a yeah. vibe. And so we lived on like an acre and we had a pool all of a yep. sudden and I think we all had our own rooms, which was kind of cool for the yeah. first time. Um, new school, new uniforms. I remember it being really weird, like going to the shopping centre for the first time and in Queensland, particularly in the burbs, it's very common that people are just in their bathers at the shops yeah, or yeah. like just shorts, no shoes, no shirt. It's so like, hot and yeah. it's like, yeah, you're really humid and yeah. Yeah, so we had, my parents had this weird room in that house where the people had converted like a double garage into this just enormous master bedroom and it was the only room in the house that had air conditioning and none of us could cope with the heat in that first year so yeah. we would just all have our mattresses in mum and dad's room and just have these like family sleepovers <laughs> in like one arctic room just being freezing so we could sleep. Wow. Yeah, very strange. <laughs> yeah. I've not really thought about it but it's quite weird. <laughs> what was it like to make all new friends at a, at a new school? I It's one of my first clear memories of like doing a bit. Yeah, right. I remember like my first day at the new school there was this girl that was in my grade and I I, I just remember being like, yeah, so, like, what are the boys like here? Not that there's any good boys anywhere. Like, am I right? And she sort of didn't Is hear me and on? I repeated it. It was Like, it's a visceral memory yeah. for me of being like, you didn't land it the first time. Yeah. Why'd you go again? There was a boy in my grade who was, like, the popular boy mm. because his dad played for the Broncos, but I didn't know what rugby was. Right. So I was just like, why are we all obsessed with Daniel Bacco? Yeah. Like, he doesn't seem that cool. <laughs> 
Were you always a funny kid? Like, do you, you know, were you always trying to get a laugh? No, I no. never. And not even like, in, and still today. Um, no, I was, I think I was smart. I was yeah. always like quite smart, but I didn't know I was funny mm. for ages. Not really even until uni because I don't know, funny people, like I'm a, horrifically a goody two shoes. It right. is deeply ingrained in me <laughs> yeah. to um, obey rules. I hate it. It's insufferable. Yeah. So I think class clowns were always kind of like, you know, like they would talk out of turn or like that kind of stuff. Yeah. I just didn't have that. I was too nervy. Yeah. yeah. What were your, what were your siblings like? <laughs> um, my, my older brother's like absolute rebel, you know, yeah. like um, got his ear pierced when he was like 16 or whatever. Like he was just my idol. I thought he yeah. was so unbelievably cool. <laughs> And then the next sister down from me is also what our family would term as a rebel, but other families would be like, what a well-behaved child. Yeah, sure, yeah, yeah. Um, she was a little bit more rebellious. She would, like, go out to parties and things like that. Annie Rose is, like, a bit more like me, a bit more yeah. goody two-shoes, a bit emotional. And then my little brother is just like, you know how the youngest child is, like, either fiercely dependent or fiercely independent? Yeah, the yeah. The second one. Yeah, right, like, okay. We had almost all moved out of home by the time he finished year 12. Wow. And he... He literally was like, he had said to my parents all year he was going to do this. He finished year 12, he went to schoolies, he came home and he moved out. Wow. <laughs> he was just like, not a second more. I it's must be my own person. Wow, it's time. Yeah. So Cut what that umbilical board. Yeah, board. exactly. Burn it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. A bit of, yeah, a real range. Yeah, yeah. So what did they all go on to do? Like, did they, any of them end up in the arts like were they no 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 I took all of that oxygen Um, (laughs) when was your first time that you decided to to start performing four right okay like young right like aggressive and young yeah what Um, were you doing when you were four well just a range of um you know um performative um experiences (laughs) sure yeah yeah, yeah. Um, full productions I I must have been four or five when I started um, doing piano lessons and ballet lessons. Oh, right. Okay. And I can remember like, you know that weird thing when you're like, kids are intense about stuff, but then when you think about that thing as a percentage of their life, that's why it's important. Yeah. Where it's like, yeah. you can't go to the park and they're like, but I'm four. So that's like a quarter of my life that I haven't been allowed to go to <laughs> yeah, the park. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. like that kind of stuff. So my memory is that I was like, Ugh, I, I've been waiting literally years to get these lessons. <laughs> like my whole life I've waited. Yeah. <laughs> Very strange. Um, <laughs> But, you know, we had a piano in the house growing up and my parents would go and see musicals and, like, bring home the programs. And right. I used to watch – my nan lived with us my whole, like, life growing up, my mum's mum. And she was so, in Brisbane? Uh, in Melbourne and Brisbane. Oh, she right. Okay, with us wow. In, but, yeah, we always yeah. had a granny flat attached to the house. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, even when we were little, like, when nan would look after us, I would just watch The Sound of Music – and um, The King and I and Oliver on repeat, which in hindsight is like Nazis colonialism yeah, yeah. and like <laughs> wife beating. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you must not watch The Simpsons. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just, this is fine because there's songs. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. I was kind of obsessed with that. And then I just like... I don't know how or why they let me do it. They must have just thought I would give up, but I just kind of didn't. I just added like more and more lessons as I went on. Yeah. And my siblings um, did, you know, like a range of things. Like they would do some of the dance classes or like instruments or like the school musicals and stuff like that. And one of my sisters did like amateur musicals after school as well, mm. which I had kind of done. Um, but yeah, no, no, just just me doing it full time out yeah. of the five. 
Yeah. And, and, and so where to from there? Like when did you just start to decide that that's what you wanted to do? Did you, did you have any other ideas of what you wanted to do when you were going to be grown up? I don't think I did. Yeah. I think when I was really little, maybe I thought I would be a teacher as well because sure. my mum was a teacher. Yep. Um, I had like the briefest of thoughts that I would be a tightrope walker until I was like, you're afraid of heights. Yeah, yeah. It <laughs> might be difficult. Yeah. I don't think there was ever really anything else. Yeah. Maybe once when I was in year 11, I did um, logic as a subject in year What's 11 logic? and 12. It's like, I guess it's like philosophy and reasoning, but okay. it's also like um, the way that you like notate arguments, like if this, then that, and like oh, symbols okay. and all this kooky stuff. Right. And I had this great teacher for that. And at my parent-teacher interview, I remember him being like, and what do you think Gillian will, like, do to my parents? And they were like, oh, like, performing. Yeah. And he didn't really know me, like, within that context of the school. And he was like, oh, so not law. And no one had ever said law to me. And it was, like, the briefest glimmer where I was like, do I, would I like to do that? And yeah. then it was just gone. Yeah, sure. I don't know. It's sort yeah. of just always just been this. When you finished high school, what did you do after that? I, when I finished high school, I was um, 16. Yeah. I was nearly 17, yeah. but I was quite young. Yeah. And so. Is that because you were in Brisbane or what was the. I was a year young when I started school. Yeah. I was four okay. when I started school. So my birth is in February. Brisbane. Yeah. Brisbane. Brisbane. Pretty insufferable to keep at home for another year. <laughs> Get her out. <laughs> Make her go and spell things at school. This is awful. I can't stand it. Um, <laughs> And, um, uh, yeah, so I had a, a year, a gap year where I just worked, I think I had like 20 jobs in that year. Wow. I worked in so many different yeah, terrible like retail places. Yeah, like retail or, you know, hospitality. A lot of hospo. Yeah. I worked in a kebab shop by accident. Yep. Um, it was called Torts, which I thought meant cakes, but stood for tortillas. Um, I worked at my dad's job, like as a receptionist. I did a lot of teaching. I did a lot of piano teaching, like straight away. Yeah. I worked in an off-brand juice bar called Julius Squeezer, which was that's fun. It sounds made up. <laughs> yeah, I it wish does. It was. <laughs> um, so I had that whole year of just being like, I don't know, and then I I knew I wasn't like ready for all the drama schools. Like I had auditioned straight out of school, yeah. and of course I was way too young. And so I did a year and a half of drama in secondary ed at QUT. Mm-hmm like a real degree-ish, yep. um, which I didn't like very much. And then I saved up some money for six months. Then I went overseas for six months. I lived in Glasgow in a hostel for like three months by oh, accident. Wow. Was that a good experience? Mm, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's a trip that I now simply refer to as, how did you not get murdered? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and so I travelled a little bit and then I came back and I was like, no, no, it's just music theatre. Yep. It's just what you always thought it was. Yeah. And then um, I got into uh, – Whopper, which is a performing arts school yeah. in Perth, at the end of that year, and then that so was you had kind to move of it. to Perth. I had to move to Perth. Yeah, so how was fun. that? Um, it was it was great. Yeah. It was incredible. Yeah, I had truly like, you just never work so hard, and you never also play so hard in your life. Like, yeah, and ever it's drama school, and I mean that in every sense yeah. of the word. Like, there is drama. Yeah, <laughs> it's great. Were you working in that time as well? As yeah, studying? I worked yeah. at um a stone grill restaurant. Okay. This is like 2008 through 10. So this is like sort of peak mining boom in Perth. Yeah. Cashed up bogans. So I worked in this restaurant where um, basically you get these lava stones that get heated up in an oven to like 200 degrees. Do you know this? I and know like, this. We had one on Phillip Island. Oh, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. And like you bring it to the table and it's like you cook the meat yourself at yeah. the table. You know, it had like reef and beef and it had a gameplay that where you got alligator, venison, wild boar and what was the other one? 
I can't remember, but the um the venison and the um Oh, kangaroo. kangaroo. The venison and the kangaroo look the same. And so right. when the chef gave it to you to take out, he would just go, that's Skippy, that's Bambi. <laughs> that's how you take right. it to the table. <laughs> but um, it was hectic because it's like really long hours at yeah. uni and then trying to, you know, just stay alive on the side. So poor. God, I was so poor. Yeah. Were you acting at the same time? Like no, were you, no. No. Like no, only yeah. within the uni stuff. So yeah, you enjoy sure. Uni productions and everything. Yeah. Who are you living with? Do you move into a share house? Uh, yeah, I lived with a girl from my year mm. in uh, first and second year. And then one of my best friends lived with us in second year. He was an amazing trumpet player. That was really fun that yeah. year. That was yeah. just like, that was just truly like a lifelong bond was formed between yeah. he and I in that year. And then in third year, I lived with um, a mate who was doing film and TV and my cousin who was working on the mines. She was fly in, fly out. Best housemate ever. She yeah. paid the most rent. She was only home one week out of every three and she had horrible money guilt. So she would come home and just like fill up the fridge with groceries and then go back. Like there was a period where wow. I was like, I haven't been to Coles in like three months, <laughs> but I'm okay. <laughs> I don't think I've ever been. Yeah. <laughs> that was kind of nice. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. After after you finished, so after you graduated, mm-hmm. what what was the plan? What were you going to do after that? Um, be a big star. Yeah. <laughs> Stay at Stone Grill. And honestly, nailed it. It was really yeah. easy and I have no yeah. regrets. Um, <laughs> did you I, have a plan straight away? Did you want to stay in Perth or did you want to get out? No, nobody stays in Perth. Yeah. To the point where our graduation ceremony is in March and if you go to that, that's a failure. Oh, like, yeah, sure. It's still around. <laughs> I think some kids go to it now, but certainly in my yeah, day, you yep. just didn't go. Um so I knew I was going to move to probably Melbourne. Yeah. I felt pretty sure about that. Yeah. Which I did. And I don't know. I, I stayed in Sydney up right after I graduated to do this like um, cabaret competition mm-hmm. that is now defunct. And uh, I had just kind of always written my own songs yeah. and, and kind of really liked doing that and really like just like talking to people. Yeah. And so it, it's not a um, – even now it's not a kind of branch of like the arts that has a very clear path or even identity. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> It sure. encompasses so many things and heaps of them are not great. <laughs> um, so I sort of knew I wanted to do – that but yep. I didn't know really how to do that yeah and I just came out and I just auditioned for all these big musicals and I just didn't get into anything and mm-hmm. I taught and I had multiple hospital jobs and a mattress on the floor instead of a bed and yeah you know just <laughs> clawed my way up just, with everyone else. just in a just in a share house in Melbourne just yeah. living the life yeah well when did you decide to start performing by yourself because you know you said that that was something you really liked doing yeah how hard was that did you get into the comedy scene did you did you know what to do did you know anyone in that industry well I I did this cabaret competition yeah. and what was great about it is that if you won they would produce your show like a one-hour cabaret show mm. and tour it to all these cabaret festivals and I didn't win I came second but I got picked up by all the same festivals and I got paid. Hell yeah. <laughs> so it was yeah. very nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I kind of had this amazing opportunity straight away to write a solo show. Yeah. And What I, was that first solo show? It was called Waitressing and Other Things I Do Well. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. I saw a show the other week that I was like, oh, this is my show. Like, Oh, right. Okay. Like a fresh-ish grad doing a show about like what it's like to be. Wow auditioning and being single and working these shitty jobs and was it stand up and songs was that yeah Yeah. i don't it took me years to be able to call it stand up yeah i would call it like patter or like banter yeah (laughs) yeah i think i think people that do music though often Mm. find it hard to call it that. like tim minchin has never really you know has has kind of just called it his chat his weird chat in between and yeah people like you know michelle brazier always you know i think took a while to call it stand up and everything which it is it's just a different way I think of 
of doing it. Like, you know, you've got songs as well and it's like yeah. a whole show. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it, it was funny, I think, because I like normally in like a cabaret or what I had learned what that meant when yeah. I was at uni, um, you would have like songs by other people. You'd have a lot of covers and stuff like that. Yeah. And I knew that I had some originals, but I what happened to me is that I would be like, and then I'll do this song. And then I was like, this this isn't exactly what I want to say. So I'll yep. just write my own song here. Yeah, sure. Like that was easier <laughs> yeah, to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I just, I just really liked it yeah. so much and that was sort of it, you know, and I do all sorts of other things in and around that yeah. um, or I did for years. Do you have a director for the first show? No, I no. had nothing. Yeah. And I had like, I was going to do it at Adelaide Cabaret Festival, which is like a pretty big deal in yeah. the cabaret world. Like it's a, it's a place where you go and they put you up in this fancy hotel and it's just yep. dirty cabaret people swanning around like they're people. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, there's yeah. a free buffet breakfast. Yeah. And, um, None of them are up early enough for the buffet breakfast. Though. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I can't imagine. No, there is a rush at 9.45. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Take it back to their room. Yeah, pretty yeah. much. Um, well, no, it's all about being seen at the breakfast, oh, sure, which sure. is also ridiculous. Um, but um, I remember that I was meant to fly to Adelaide to do this very first show in the festival. That, like it was kind of like they just gave me a lot more than I probably would give somebody that yeah. green. And it was the year of that Chilean ash cloud where all those flights got cancelled. Yeah, right. And so my agent, I had this terrible first agent, like just comically like a TV agent. Yeah. You know? And he called me and he's like, darling, your flight's going to get cancelled. You've got to get a lift with Dean Bryant. Dean Bryant, do you know him, the director? He's driving to Adelaide. Get a lift with him, darling. That's the only way you're going to make it in time. And I was like, see? You say see a lot? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's like, like ashed his cigar through the phone. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so Dean Bryant, who's this incredible director, I had met three times. Um, once I was auditioning for him and twice I was serving him hors d'oeuvres at MTC. And so Dean very kindly agreed to take me like – you know, drive to Adelaide with me. And wow. I love Dean very much. And I know he wasn't doing this on purpose, but he was like, oh, so it's your first show. So who's written it with you? And I was like, no one. And he's like, and who's, who, well, who's directed it for you? And I was like, no, no one. And he was like, oh, but who's going to do all the, like check all the sound and lights for your tech? God, I mean, I'd help you, but we're at the same time. But gosh, and I was just suddenly like, oh my God, you have no idea <laughs> what you're doing. Yeah. And then in this weird twist of fate, I got really lucky where nobody could drive from Sydney in time. We could right. drive from Melbourne in time, but no one could get there. So Paul Capsis, who was on the same two nights as me, had to cancel. And so anyone who was seeing that show could either have a refund or come to something that wasn't sold out. Guess who wasn't sold out? Yeah. Old Jill Cosgrave, <laughs> fetus of the performing arts world. <laughs> so I had all these Paul Capsis fans come wow. and sell out this big show. And I, yeah, I don't know. Just, you know, yeah. things just kind of, there was lots of luck in there, I think, or lots of chance that yeah. worked in my favour. I remember doing my first show and um, I was doing straight stand-up and – uh, Shakespeare, a uh, Shakespearean play had sold out across the across the hall or whatever it was in the other room, and so the people who couldn't get into Shakespeare, who really wanted to see Shakespeare, came to see me, uh-huh. and it was like absolute people who like Shakespeare do not like me. Well, didn't like me that night, sure. And it was a real, you know, you got their money, but you still felt like, you know, it wasn't wasn't that great. It wasn't Isn't what that, they were expecting. Yeah, yeah. I've had that experience a lot where you're at especially at like fancier festivals where you're like, I'm sold out, Yeah, but you don't like this. No, you're not enjoying it. I'm not enjoying it. Yeah. No one's enjoying and it. And I've got, I have got your money. Yeah, so feels good. don't you just want to have a nice time? It's have a really a nice strange feeling. Once. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> How was the first show for you? First hour on stage in front of 
Many, I mean, I mean, it wasn't the so first time strange. you did it, but I mean, you know, doing it in was it opened in Melbourne? Was that where you first did that show? No, I did one night in a tiny little seedy basement in Sydney called the El Rocco Room, which <laughs> right. I think probably doesn't exist, sure, or certainly shouldn't for health reasons. <laughs> um, that was teeny tiny, and then yep. I did this. So wow. it was like just I didn't know what I didn't know, which yeah. I think is so good sometimes when yeah. you're starting out, where you're like. I didn't know that maybe I should have had a director and I didn't know that I should yeah. run the show in somewhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Didn't know any of those things. Yeah. Steep learning curve though. Yeah. Yeah. But it's also like, you know, like when I watched this show last week, this, um, you know, relatively newish grad that I was like, this is very like what I do and certainly what like what I used to do. Yeah. And this kid was in this massive theatre and he had like sold it out and – I was just like, yeah, you don't know what you don't know. Yeah, Like yeah. I now would be like, I don't know if I should book that venue. I don't know if I'm going to sell it out. I don't yeah, know this. Yeah, yeah. So there is something to be said for like, you know, ignorance is bliss. Yeah, yeah. On. Absolutely. Where'd you go to after that show, after finishing the run of that show? I didn't know what to do next. And the people that had produced me, um, David Campbell and Lisa Campbell, were running the festival and they produced me for that kind of year. They toured me a mm. little bit, which was nice. And now I know they must have lost so much money. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know at the time. Yeah. Um, and then I didn't know what to do next because I didn't have producers anymore and I was just auditioning for all these musicals and getting knocked back and yeah. just like hospo and teaching. And so I decided I would go overseas Mm. Um, and go to Edinburgh and see things and just be like, what is this? Yeah, yeah. And um, so before I was going, I was like, okay, I'll do something. I want to do something before I go, but I don't know what. Mm. So I came up with this idea that I would force myself to write a song every week for eight weeks. And I put it kind of – I'd be putting it on the internet. I'd be like, hey, I'm doing this thing. Every Sunday night by midnight I have to post the lyrics online so it's done. Yeah. I'm a terrible procrastinator. And it just became this thing and people wanted to see the – songs so I made this kind of eight songs in eight weeks little yeah. show and I loved doing that because it meant I could like just talk about what I was doing on stage so I didn't feel like I was writing stand-up because yep. I wasn't I was literally going hey this week I kept thinking about this and I wanted to write a song about it, and I tried this and that didn't work yeah anyway here's the song one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes nice dress uh it's a it's a t-shirt until you tried it on same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Also so freeing to be able to play a song and then go I think that song's garbage. It's got one joke in it. It's very lazy. Anyway, here's week four. Yeah. That was really nice. And so when I came back from overseas, I still didn't know what to do, so I did that again. Yep. And then I used songs from those two shows to make my next solo show and then I, like, produced that myself and did that at Melbourne Fringe. Yeah. And that was that was kind of really the start of, like, a comedy career, I guess. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What about, you know, musical theatre? Because, you know, you kind of took some time off doing the the solo shows to, yeah. to do you know musicals like when was the first big time musical that you the first for? like proper gig that I booked yeah I did it is still wild to me that this happened I did the Pirates of Penzance at the production company yeah um directed by Dean Bryant so spending six hours yeah. in a car is a great way to get <laughs> in with the director absolutely yeah um which is still bonkers to me because that's not my voice type yeah but yeah I do look good in a bonnet yeah, so great. yeah you yeah. Know. <laughs> <laughs> so I did that and I did kind of like little independent things um, 
I did a production of Company that I loved and I did um, this weird show called Loving Repeating, which is like right. a cubist musical about Gertrude Stein, yeah, yeah. <laughs> as you do. <laughs> so I would do those kinds of things and I was doing a lot of like improv and yeah. I just basically say yes to a job. If there's a job, I would say yes to it. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah. Do you have a favourite that you worked on over over the years, like a favourite musical? Um, I guess shot. it's I guess it's like it's the big one that we're going to get to, which is that I've spent the last three and a half years in Harry Potter and the Cursed Child, and that yep. is its own absolute beast of a thing. Yeah, of an you, enormous commercial show. Did you know that that was coming? Did you know that audition was coming? No, I was doing a show at Melbourne Theatre Company. I was doing this really um, just super weird, wonderful Eddie Perfect musical called Vivid White. Right. Um, and. I I knew that auditions were out for Harry Potter and I'd kind of stopped auditioning for like big old musicals at this mm. point unless there was something I really wanted to do in them because I was kind of like, I don't know Tino Shade to anyone who loves to do this because it's also a great life, but mm. I was like, I don't think I want to stand in the ensemble of South Pacific. Um, yeah, sure. I don't think I want to do that. I don't think it will make me very happy. Yeah. It's also a long time and lots of shows. It really like Eight is. shows a week or whatever it eight is. Eight shows like, a week yeah. for like a year, two years. Yeah. It's a long time. Yeah. And so I had seen the brief come out for Harry Potter and I was like, there's nothing for me in that. Don't worry about it. I didn't have an agent for mm. like a big stint of years um, either. And so but the evil Muppet was gone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, bless. <laughs> uh, not evil, hapless. <laughs> yeah. Let's say hapless. Um, but the woman who does all the casting at Melbourne Theatre Company, um, Janine Snape, ironically, was casting Harry Potter and she asked me to come in. And that was weird too because I went in and I did this like run of auditions and I was like, okay, great. I think that went really well and yep. I got called back and then I didn't get it. They were like, thanks so much. And I was like, oh, I actually feel sad about this. Yeah, yeah. Okay, fine. And then a couple of weeks later, she was like, can you come back in for a different role? And I was like, in any other environment, this would be an abusive relationship. Yeah. But yes, <laughs> hurt me again. Um, and then I did. I booked it, which was kind of crazy. And then yeah. I spent three and a half years in it doing, you know, eight shows a week. And that's also with the whole pandemic thrown in there. Yeah, up yeah. Up and down, but... So what was your role in the show? In the first year, I was Moaning Myrtle. Yep. Um, she's camp, she's damp, she's living. I loved her. <laughs> and then I uh, I was going to leave and the girl playing the role that I understudied, which is a character called Delphi, who's new for the play, um, was leaving. So I auditioned for that and I and I got that. So then I stayed and did a year and a half. Yeah, wow. Two, I don't, what is time? Time is a construct. We are all its slaves. <laughs> um, but then I did that role for... Because people don't, who don't know as well, it's great musical, like, you know, great, great show. Mm. Like, you know, and and so for you doing that, you were – because it's, it's not a musical really. No, it's a play. Yeah, it's a play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I keep saying musical. It's, it's right. Musical. My mother-in-law has seen it twice and she's like, yeah. how's your singing? And I'm like, Sue, yeah, yeah, yeah. You've se- that's 10 hours yeah. of this play you've seen. There's no yeah, singing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, for, for you doing that, so the, the show split up so you can see the first half and the second half and they yeah. kind of split up. How many hours a week were, was that for you? Like how, how often were you on stage during those, what, three and a half years? Oh, um, I mean a normal show week you would get there at – God, what would be a regular call? I guess a call would have been like 5.45 until 10.30, 10.45. Yeah, yeah. So like on a – in like a normal shows only week, which you almost never have either because we rehearse for like months and teched for months and then as soon as the show opens, you start rehearsing in the day your first covers, your first understudies. Yeah. So you're there all day. You're just doing six days a week. Yep. In that that first stint, that first cast, there were some people that did six days a week for six months. Just solidly. Wow, yeah. And those are like 10, 11 hour days when you're doing rehearsal in the day and shows at night. Yeah. Um, and then once you go to a normal show schedule, it's sort of like 
manageable, which is yeah, good. Yeah, sure. But, but it's still like six days. How, how, yeah. how many, do you have Mondays and Tuesdays off or is it? Uh, I, yeah, used to. So yeah. the sh- I should say like I left the show in March yep. and now it's a one-part version. So they do the same show yep. eight shows a week. So it's a very different um, yeah. beast now. But for us, yeah, eventually once rehearsals are finished, you have Monday, Tuesday off. Yeah, wow. Um, Does your life change in that time? Like it, is it really hard to abs- manage things? Yeah. Yes, it is so unbelievably hard. Yeah, yeah. And it is, I think I was quite naive about being in like a big show where I was like, oh, this will be so great because I can like just do this yeah. at night and then in the day I'll like write my musical and I'll write a TV series. Yeah, and yeah. And realistically, like the demands of the show physically were so intense. I yeah. did a lot of flying in the show in a harness. Um, you're moving set constantly, like you're moving stairs and chairs and tables and you're running around in the dark. You're singing you're- the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> you are famously <laughs> singing. Um, and so I didn't know that really what a big commercial show like this means yeah. is that in your downtime you are um, you are insufferably working out, like you are trying to maintain your fitness. Yeah. You are managing injury. You're like, like I never thought in my life I'd be like, Oh, I really have to get a massage on Tuesday. Like like it was a thing I had yeah, to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like rest and release, it just takes up so much of your time. And then also when you've got that like one day off a week, two days off a week, going, okay, am I going to spend that with my partner, with my friends, with my family? Yeah. Am I just going to be quiet? Yeah. <laughs> am I going to buy a grocery or yeah. do my washing? But having to every week kind of choose how you're going to spend that Yeah. very precious little time is a really yeah, it's a really strange thing. Yeah, you need that mining friend to keep coming and fill up your fridge. Yeah, I really did. Yeah. I needed my cousin. <laughs> she moved to New Zealand to stop mining, and it was frankly selfish of her. <laughs> I was going to check this. Um, oh, okay, no, no. It, it keeps coming up with this little thing like I'm running out of time, but it's not. Oh no! Yeah, no. But we all are. Saying. <laughs> At the end of the day, people <laughs> don't forget. Think, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so after after finishing Harry Potter, did you decide to just stop that? Was that you just pulling the pin on it or, or was it just becoming a different thing? Uh, it was a, a combination of things. So I kind of only intended to do it for the first year. Yeah. And then I got the little promotion. Yeah, yeah. Which was nice. So I was like, okay, I'll do a year of that. Yeah. And then the Pandora happened. And so I re-signed another contract so that I would get a full kind yeah. of stint out of it, hopefully, which I still didn't get. But I got, you know, a bigger chunk <laughs> yeah, than I had. Yeah. And so I, for me, it was never like I'm going to stay in it till the show runs its course because I yep. don't know if that's certainly wouldn't have been good for me. Yeah. Um, just based on what it does to your life, like it just it it's the single best thing that's ever happened to me, and it completely ruins your life. Of course. Someone was yeah. like, "Oh, like kids," and I was like, "Sure, great." <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like not seeing friends during that time, not being able to go out for dinner. Yeah, it takes over everything. And it, you know, I'm my my partner who I've been with for. Um, God, 10 years soon, um, like his entire life changed just to be like, yeah. you know, like a Hogwarts widow is just a very strange thing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Is he is he in the performing arts world at all? He's in uh, radio and podcasting. Oh, right, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. wow. Yeah, yeah. So he's arts, it's good because he's arts adjacent yeah. and he understands it. Yeah, Even yeah. Even this morning I was like, I forgot to take this photo for this thing. I need us to go to the park and I need you to make sure there's light and help me and he's very good like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so that's quite helpful. Yeah. But it, it does mean like, you know, like 2019, which was like the longest uninterrupted stint of show I had, is also the year all our friends got married. Yeah, And sure. so I think Matt went to nine weddings in that year and I went to two of them. Yeah, you know? sure. So it makes it really difficult where you're on opposite schedules. He has a nine to five job. Yeah. And so 
Also, just weird things like on a Monday night, I'd be like, see my friends, and I'd be like, let's get another bottle. And everyone would be like, we cannot do that. Yeah, like, yeah. You do, you end up weirdly out of sorts, yeah. out of sync with your own life. And it really takes some readjusting to go yeah. back into that. Too. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, when you were, you know, now, now you're kind of starting to write a new show. Yeah. Has that been something that you've missed because you've been in other people's shows and you've been performing in, in other people that you know, other people have obviously written those shows. Are you excited to start writing a show for yourself again? Yeah. When's the last time that you did a solo show? I like a completely brand new from scratch solo show. twenty oh, seventeen? Yep. Yeah. 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 I did a sort of a best of and I wrote some new stuff for it. Yeah. And I had a when we came back, so we shut down in March twenty twenty. And then that was 11 months before I went back to work. And so I had booked in to do that kind of best of show at the Butterfly Club while we were in rehearsals for Harry Potter as well. So that was nice to do that and just be like, just talking to the audience and just having it just, it's just like the most comfortable feeling for me of just being able to like, Look at the people, talk to the people, yep. do my little bits. Yeah, <laughs> go on. Have my little chats. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so I am excited. I'm terrified. Yeah. Um, because also I have a like quite a, I don't know if it's a bad habit, but I always knew that I wanted my career to be really diverse. So I like write things and I, you know, do my own things and I yeah. do other people's things. But it also means that like whatever gig I'm on, I will say that I'm the other thing. So if I'm like touring with like comedy festival with roadshow, I'll be like, yeah, but I'm mostly like a music theater performer. I'm mostly a singer. Yeah. And then if I have a singing gig, I'll be like, mostly I'm a comedian. And so I'd spent three yeah. and a half years on Harry Potter being like, I'm actually a comedian. <laughs> and now I've come out and have suddenly having to look that in the face and being like, you really took yourself up. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's so exciting though. It's exciting that you're getting back to do it. Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm terrified, but yeah. I'm excited. Yeah, well, uh, Dave Dave Warnicky, who uh, we we came and saw your show. During, we were doing a show in the same venue. Yeah, and and you and the show was just so fantastic, and That's so nice. it's so exciting that you're doing it again and writing your own your own show again. It's really exciting. Yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, it's going to be great. Well, <laughs> if people want to go to it as well, it's going to be at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival. Are it you is. touring it anywhere else after that? Not yet. Not yet. No. <laughs> I haven't remembered how to do admin yet. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, so a director, if you need to lift that's to true, admin. That's true, yeah. yeah. That's right. Yeah. I've got standard questions I ask on the podcast, mm. and I thought it'd be a good time to break out these questions. Uh, so what trait in people do you admire the most? What? Who are you drawn to? I'm very impressed by people who are um, – tolerant mm-hmm. I think tolerance is maybe the right word yeah, yeah like people who can comfortably sit with someone that they maybe don't um agree with like or, or agree yeah, with yeah. and maybe that's also like empathy and it's also patience yeah but being able to still include someone and being able to engage with yeah people that are very different to you or maybe not necessarily on your wavelength yeah and not be bothered by it not be all like buzzy and fussed yeah. about it but just be like well, we're different and that's okay. Yeah. I saw it uh, yesterday. So the time of recording was um, the election yesterday and all the people that volunteer out the front and it's a cluster of people who have very different views. Yes. All chatting, having a great day. Yeah. I well, isn't that nice? always thought that I would like to write a play about that list. Yeah. Oh, about that line, I mean. It'd be fascinating. Yeah, just yeah. having to hear someone standing next to you being like, end lockdowns and you're like, that they're finished. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your whole campaign yeah. is All about nothing. All my freedom, nothing. you have it. Yeah, yeah. stop the dinosaurs. Yeah. Okay, we did. What do you want? 
Um, if you could choose to be born into an environment, what would that look like? So the environment you were born into, do you think that was kind of a great environment for you? I think so. I would love it without the Catholic guilt. Sure. I would have loved yeah, yeah. a bit less guilt on yeah, my um, sure. on my portion. Yeah. Like lately I've been thinking about how strange it is to say to like a child, Jesus died for your sins. Yeah. And you're like, I'm five, Jesus got a bad deal. That's a really weird thing to do. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. It's a little bit less Catholic. A bit less yeah, yeah. of that, yeah. yeah. Uh, what's your favourite thing about yourself? Um, oh, double-edged sword. But I like, I like my brain. I like how fast it is. It's mm. the same brain that like will absolutely spiral me out of control. Yep. But it's also the brain that connects all the dots that just goes, yeah, actually yeah. – this is this, and maybe the punchline is oh that you know it's yeah, like yeah. I love that speed like when it's good and it's agile. Yep. Even just like doing a cryptic crossword is like it makes me feel alive. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Um, yeah, I think I like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What's something about yourself that you'd change? <sighs> How much time do you <laughs> have? Um, I would like better executive function. Sure. I'd like to not go to. I'd like to attach less emotion to logistics. Yeah, sure. <laughs> that would yeah, be yeah, ideal. Yeah, yeah. I'm watching The American Office for the first time. Oh, right, yep. There's an episode the other day where um, Pam's like, you got it in that email and Steve Carell's character goes, you have to be specific. I get up to eight emails a day. <laughs> I was like, that's – like I cannot stress how often I'm like – all inner tears and I'm like, oh, you know, you just need to write down, you just need yeah. to write down everything that you're doing and that way you'll be able to all see it written yeah. down and then you'll be, and I look at it and it's four things. Yeah, sure. So yeah, often yeah, it's yeah. just four things. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Can't cope, <laughs> go to pieces. Uh, who influenced you the most? Um, my parents, yeah. definitely. Um, Are you a perfect combination, do you think, of both of them? No, I no. think I'm like a weird foundling. Yeah, sure. Okay. Um, oh, but then some ways I am very like both, just only little bits and pieces. Yeah, sure. I think. One of my sisters is very like my mum. Yeah. Um, In what way? Uh, packed lunches, organised washing. Right. Just like it's my sister that I'm like, I'm so sorry that I abandoned the oldest daughter tropes and left them to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, yeah, you're sure. much better at them. <laughs> so thank you for organising yeah. Christmas presents again. <laughs> um. Uh, yeah, and I think also my um, my friends and my partner. Certainly, um, one of my dearest friends, um, Virginia Gay, who's an incredible actor and an incredible performer and yeah. writer. We became friends like when I was quite early on in my career, right? In a way that I'm like, I can't believe you wanted to be friends with me. Like I was so small and I didn't know anything. Yeah, yeah. But I just absolutely was so taken with the way that she. Um, moved through this career and how she could remain excited about it and excited about the people in it and yeah. the way she treated the people around her. And yeah. Yeah, I feel like that was a very big influence for me in terms of being like, this is a nice way to carry yourself in this job. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, when are you at your happiest? Um, when I'm working. <laughs> <laughs> no, insufferable. Um, yeah, I, I, I like to be working when I have stuff on. Yeah. But then also just like, just with mates, low stakes. Yeah. Low stakes for me, like a dinner party, that's a real nice time. Yeah. A yep. whiskey at the end of the night, dreams, yep. yeah, goals, yeah, yeah. I love it. When are you, uh, when are you at your lowest? Um, post finishing anything. Yeah, sure. Just drained and... Just absolutely like the phone will never ring again. Yeah, sure. Um, and the winter. 
Yeah. I really I don't like the winter. should hibernate. I do like it, but it, my body just is like, yeah. But what if you were like sad for three months? Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, Let's yeah. just see what that feels like. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's awful. Okay, see you next year. <laughs> I'll be back. I'll yep. be back. Don't worry about that. Uh, who do you choose to surround yourself with now, and has that changed over time? Um, I surround myself with um, largely excellent, smart, funny, kind people, particularly kind people yeah. um, who are just like creative and just like silly. Yeah. You know, like I have a very nice um, tight knit group of mates that sort of formed in the last two years that I had individual friendships with that I was like, I think you might all love each other. Yeah. You did. Yeah. Yep. And that's very nice for um, a, just like to have a place where you could go on any given day and be like, this wonderful thing happened and yep. know that they'll all be like, yes, or you can go, this terrible thing happened and they can all go, it's not your fault, you're perfect. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Enablers. I surround yeah. myself with enablers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but then also just people who are uh, just happy to do dumb things because you're alive and it's fun to do them, you know? Yeah, yeah. When I was on um, Harry Potter, it, it was a real comfort to me to see Matt. We have this great group of friends who are mostly um, people from Perth who live in Melbourne. Mm-hmm. And just things where I'd be like, you know, I'd be going off to do a two-show day and I'd be like, what are you going to do today? And Matt would be like, we're just all taking a limousine to the planetarium. It's like not anyone's birthday. <laughs> it's just because it so seems great. like a fun thing to yeah. do. You know, so. It is fun. Yeah, yeah. They're just like a very excellent, silly bunch of people. They make a friendship calendar every year and yep. it has a different theme and just loose and silly just for the sake of it. In lockdown, we got in a real habit of um, – because it was a thing you could do to celebrate someone, but it was still socially distanced, creating um, banners out of crepe paper for people to run through. That's great. Yeah. We had a wedding last weekend and there was a full banner for um, for the married couple <laughs> to run through. And That's so nice. Yeah, just yeah. like nice, silly people. Yeah. If you could pinpoint a moment in your life that you think had the greatest impact on you, what would that be? Oof. I don't know if there's just one. Yeah, yep. Here's a silly one. All of these are kind of work-related. Is this horrible? No, I no, don't no, no, know. no, no. When I was like maybe seven, I joined the primary school choir and I remember standing there with Mrs. Costa, who was a woman I remember being four foot tall. Mm-hmm. And she had like the choir separated into two groups. We had to sing, um, what should we do with a drunken sailor? Yep. <laughs> and she gave us like two parts to sing. And I remember singing both of them. And then she was like, well, you could go to either side. What side would you like to go to? And my friend Catherine was on this one side and I was like, well, I want to go with Catherine. And that's where I was like, I'm an alto and not a soprano. Yeah, sure. And that really solidified a lot of my identity (laughs) where I was like, I'm here for harmonies and hard work. I'm not here for melodies and glory. I'm here for jokes and bits and Catherine. Yeah, (laughs) and Catherine. (laughs) Uh, What's the hardest thing you've been through and has that changed you? Um, it, this indicates how absolutely lovely and privileged and charmed my life is, which probably makes for quite a boring podcast, but truly like six Melbourne lockdowns. Yeah. Just, yeah. Just the knowledge and carrying it around. And I know no one wants to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. We just all want to suppress it and just never speak of it again. Yeah. Knowing that everything can go away. Yeah. Is in ways that you haven't even imagined before mm-hmm. is was just it just like absolutely shook the living daylights out yeah, of me. Um, yeah, well, loneliness and yep, you know, also just not being able to do what you regularly do. You know, not being able to go somewhere if you want to go somewhere, being locked yeah. inside after a certain time when there was a curfew and there's a lot of things. Yeah, and yeah. just also I think like 
the total like devaluing of your entire industry. Yeah. Just to be like, you're not real and you can't have any money and you can't have any support and you can't do your job. Yeah. And even when like restrictions would ease and people would be like, lockdown's over, I'd be like, not for us, you know, like yeah. I lost my job six times. Yeah. Like once it's careless. Yeah. <laughs> six, yeah. Is, six is brutal. Um, How'd you get through it? I did a lot of um, silly things. I exercised. I got, I was really injured on Harry Potter. I had like a really bad back injury in the first year. Yeah. And I became a fitness person, which I've never been in my entire life. Right. And I was horrified to discover everything everyone had told me about it was real. Yeah. yeah. So mad um, <laughs> to have better mental health and <laughs> muscle definition of cross. Um, so I, the one of the only things I could do was be like, okay, I'm just going to exercise because that's all I can do and I have room in my lounge room. And I did some stupid stuff. I did a friend of mine did a thing called Apocalypse Portraits mm-hmm. where it was like you get a theme and you take a photo in that theme. And I just went ham on that. I was just like, this is going to be – my whole week I'm going to like make something out of cereal boxes or I'm going to like climb up a tree or like (laughs) in some ways that was nice because it was like the very start of your career where you don't have kind of goals or markers. You're just making stuff because you like making stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You're not like, does this align? Is this the right path? Is this like where, what I should do next? Yeah. So it was nice to just make things because it's nice to make things. Yeah. I did a lot of that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what gets you going every day? What motivates you now? Um, what motivates me? I, I really, I really love uh, what I do, and I'm very grateful. Just in the world, like I have a strange. Well, it's probably not that strange. Probably quite common, but like a strange experience of being like someone with like your standard depression, anxiety, but like also a deep gratitude. Yep. It's like strange to experience sometimes like long periods of an overarching sadness, but also to be like, fuck, how good are leaves? God, leaves yeah. are amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like these kind of – so I think just like very small things really delight me and that's always been um, very helpful and a real treat. And I just know so many excellent people. Yeah. Um, and my friendships are transient because everybody that I know is is mostly creative, is like touring or traveling or yeah. working or not working. So – Suddenly being able to spend time with someone that you haven't seen for six months is just like all of that is such a treat. You know, those um, friendships are so rewarding and that yeah. time is really, really nice. Yeah. Uh, I like to ask the same question I did at the start and I do at the end. So what has the greatest impact on you, do you think, nature or nurture? I think it's nurture. Yeah. Yeah. I think so because what's nature? Nature's like you're just born like this. You're just like this. Yeah. Genetics. I don't know. I just, I don't know if I believe that's anyone. Yeah. Yeah. I think everything is like, you're the sum of your experiences and your, um, your interests and yeah. Yeah. I think it's got to be nurture. Yeah. Do you think, does anyone ever think it's nature? I, it's, it's always a mix. I think ah, yeah, it's usually a mix okay. yeah, of people, but yeah, but I'm going to get to the bottom of this one day. Great. That's Finally. Perfect. Someone will come on one day and go, no, they're all wrong. It's this. Yeah, yeah maybe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Maybe it's entirely biological. <laughs> Gillian, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to Nature or Nurture. 
for this week. My name is Sammy Peterson and you can follow me, SamPeterson91 on Instagram. I also have a comedy podcast called Confessions. You can find that. The handles are Confessions, the podcast on Instagram, TikTok and Facebook. You can also just search it on your regular podcast apps. Please do rate this podcast. Uh, I would love that. It helps get the podcast out there to so many people. Thank you to the wonderful Michelle Laurie and Matthew Tankard. They're, they're great producers and I couldn't do this without them. Please do share this podcast around. I'd love to get it out there to as many people as possible. So please do share it with a friend and tell the person that you just heard on this podcast that you really enjoyed hearing their chat. Thank you so much. Hope you have a good week and I will talk to you very, very soon. Goodbye. <laughs>